this season turn it up to 10 sort of like a bad habit we're gonna do it again ready or not we're gonna tie up some ends go tell a 36 try to grab all the friends we're back like we never left on track like a treble clef skip a beat on the seventh rest bring feast we don't pass them over we got the first fruits no way to show us this yoke is easy this burns light even with a loud mouth trying to eat at the mic even if we down south the humidity spike fails torn in two so we gonna be all right it's all grace till the half goes off heretics better run till the top blows off got them all stood still like a job full of botox time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop don't stop they're in need of it though through grace by faith they could easily grow new wave new age new way to see bro now one truth life one way to the throne That's Christ alone, that's grace alone, that's faith alone Our glory to God, cause that's his alone Since the land's been slain, we can each belong The Lord is my strength, my peace and my song Get all lay it all down at the feet of his throne So relax, God is still in control He knows every care, every village you hold He knows every hair, every need for your soul Nothing new around here, this story's been told Bet you feel weak and your life is in tatters With bruised feet, your body is battered You can't reach, trying to climb up that ladder Sit back and hold fast to Messiah matters it's all grace till the half goes off. Heretics better run till the top blows off. Got them all stood still like a jaw full of Botox. Time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop. Don't stop, they're in need of it though. Through grace by faith, they could easily grow. New wave, new age, new way to see bro. Now, one truth, life, one way to the throne. Bet you feel weak and your life is in tatters. With bruised feet, your body is battered. You can't reach, trying to climb up that ladder. Sit back and hold fast to Messiah matters. It is Friday, November 3rd, 2023. This is Messiah Matters, number 449. Bad audio in the beginning does not bode well, but hopefully it's the only thing we have to deal with. My name is Caleb Hag. In the beginning, there was bad audio today. <laughs> I'm Rob Van Hoff. Yeah. So last time, last week, we had just, uh, I just had a heck of a time, man. A heck of a time. Trying to uh, trying to get my video to work didn't work. You know, I'm just gonna stop this. Who cares? There we go. All right. Uh, now it's a bad intro. And so here's the now. I will tell you. I will tell everyone. Here's what happened. I realized. I thought. I figured out the uh, the the video discrepancy last week, and so I had to rebuild all of my stuff uh, from the ground up, and I did that pretty much this morning. So. 
Um, I moved a lot of files, and I'm not sure if that had something to do with the uh, audio continuing to drop. But Lord willing, Lord willing, the video today will stay in contact. And that's really all that matters, right? That our, our people can hear us and see us. And that we, it's not that distracting. All right. So, so I want to thank everyone for being in the chat room on this here Friday, which is a different day. We already got seven people. It's in, a special edition. People. That's what it's I'm thinking. It's a special edition. We got 17 people in there on a Friday. Uh, and yes. the numbers keep, the numbers keep rising. I'm impressed. We're going to, that's good. We might make it to 18 in a couple minutes here. Woo <laughs> Call Why? your friends. Call your friends. <laughs> Tell, Text your friends. <laughs> Hide your kids. Hide it. Never. Okay. Um, okay. Let's uh, let's do this first. Let's do this first. Uh, let's go. Chegatorresource.com. Chegatorresource.com. That is the email address you can reach us with. Um, and then two five three four six five thirty two zero five. It's two five three four six five thirty two zero five. Uh, you can uh, leave us a message. You won't talk to us. You just uh, get a message machine. Tell us how much you love us, hate us, agree, disagree, whatever you want. And then uh, messiahmatters.com. You can find all sorts of great stuff at uh, messiahmatters.com, including past shows. Uh, listen to our intro music, read about us, whatever you want. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but whatever. And then finally, torresource.com. Go to torresource for all sorts of wonderful resources, including free resources. You can find over 100 articles on biblical topics, all sorts of great stuff. Okay. And uh, let's bring up our producers while we say hey to Rob. Rob, what's going on, man? Are you ready for the ETS and SBL or what? We should be asked this last week. And I am going to get a haircut <laughs> next week before the conference. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Now, how much will be cut off? I don't know yet. So that's undetermined. I'm, uh, but anyway, I'm looking forward to that. So I think next week will be our last show before for maybe two weeks, right? I mean, are we? No, just one. Or, or one week. Just one week nope. off. And then what we'll do is um, we'll come back and we'll talk We'll talk about the ETS and SBL. I do have, for those interested, I have a, and you can email me. My I still have my Messiah Matters email, which works great. So I know you're not using yours, but I use rob mine. at messiahmatters.com still works mine. great. So, but I'm, there's a Zoom conference that I'm, giving a presentation on next week it's and it's out of berlin it's a a um three-day seminar and i believe it's free so i think you can go log in um but it's all about? about jewish scribal art and practice it's pretty cool i mean it, um a lot of it is related to the tagin or the different letters that are like, there are some presentations on the different um, Hasidic traditions of writing the tefillin with special letters, like, you know, like a giant shin for the Shema, a giant, or a, a giant ayin and a giant dalit, stuff like that. But it's like three days. And I'm like the opening paper because mine is because you're just about the Masora. Because you're no, mine's important. not about those kind of, mine's how the, how the, scribes treated the tetragrammaton how they protected it and the different ways that they did that in the early um early early medieval time so like ninth and 10th century whereas most of the papers pertain to torah scrolls and to fill in that emerge way later in time 
So I think they put my paper first because it's kind of early, early examples of Masoretic scribal art that treat the divine name specially in the way they write it. And that it's, so I thought it was pretty cool that, uh, but consequently it's like 5.30 AM Pacific time, but it's like after Monday afternoon and wake up early, buddy. So anyway, a long, long, long spiel, long story long, uh, send, send me a, yeah. Long story made longer. (laughs) (laughs) Send me an email. I'll send you the link and you can look into, uh, registering for it. I, I believe there's no fee. You don't have to watch every paper. I mean, I think it's just one link and then it's a Zoom so you can join. But the program is out there. You can see all the different papers and the times. But for me, I have to convert time, uh, European time or Berlin to our time. Plus, we have that hour changeover this weekend, which is going to throw a monkey wrench in it. Isn't that actually anyway, going to be good for you? That is you because I'm back. not presenting at SBL. I I am doing this conference that's online and I'm excited about it. So blah, 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 blah. Okay. Thank you for that uh, very lengthy explanation. No, I'm playing. I'm totally playing with you. <laughs> all right. Dude, let's uh, way too long. That took way too long. I, I, it's all I, good. I, it's I, all I did, good. It, you know, that's what happens when, uh, well, I, when you here's going to tell me to the, talk. Here's the most important <laughs> thing that we're going to say today. Here's the most important thing that we're going to say today. Don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. And press the like button. Okay, that's it. We're done. See you guys. No, I'm playing. Okay, let's uh, let's move to uh, our. So this is one that. Uh, so we had a couple of comments on Rob's mention of his interview with Boyarin. Now I haven't been able to find that interview, and I don't know where it is. So I've been looking for it. I sent Rob an email. He never emailed me back. I think um, I I, pro- it, I think it's on my old Mac computer, my old tower that mm-hmm. is now. Defunct. At the recycle place, I yeah. I think it's like an old. Okay, well we'll try to find it. It wasn't that be great. I, I'll tell you this: it wasn't that great of an interview. I don't think that. I just think there was a lot of background noise, if I remember correctly. Anyway, not the point. Oh so yeah, it was Hall and Oates. Um, it was what song was it? And I was just like, not it was one point. of these like seventies hits. Definitely <laughs> like not the point. Blaring. Definitely <laughs> we, not the point. We were out. It was in San Diego, so it was two thousand fourteen, and we were Still out at a patio of his the hotel. And they had like, you know, this easy, you know, yacht rock or whatever they call it playing on the. Okay. So back to the good gracious, (laughs) you're all over the place today, man. So back to the actual question at hand, the question was, what did you guys talk about? But this is a different question. I don't think it's actually related. It could be, I don't know. Gentlemen, what is your opinion of that scholar, Daniel Boyarin? Does he think that Jesus is the Messiah and the son of God? Thanks. No, he does not. Daniel Boyarin is not a believer. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, but he has a book called The Jewish Jesus, I believe. Right. Well, there's a there's a back and forth. There, so there's a few scholars that have kind of jumped into the hey, I could sell some books if I have a <laughs> title that has Jewish and Jesus right. in it. In the same in the same And this vein, is a yes. thing known like from from a, the academic publishers, <laughs> like if they can publish a book with something about Judaism and Jesus in the title, those books are always better sellers. It's like the Hebrew roots uh, uh, f- figuring out they, they can sell mystery and key, right? Oh, every yeah, yeah, sing- yeah, yeah, yeah. Every exactly. single book Jonathan that, that Jonathan yeah. Kahn decides to write has the word mystery or key in it. So, but this is a, this is a true thing. Like Jewish Jesus, it'll sell books, right? 
Right. Because people Google, that's what the key terms that they're looking for. But anyway, so you have, you have Peter Schaefer, who I think he retired, but he was out of Princeton. Daniel Boyarin, who's out of UC Berkeley. Um, who are some of the others? Those are the main two that come to mind. E.P. Sanders in an older generation. Uh, but but the there's kind of this ongoing back and forth between Boyarin and Peter Schaefer about, you know, how to how, how to even read the rabbinic texts is one of the issues. Are rabbinic texts responding to Christians? Are they responding to just all sorts of different religious Zoroastrians and stuff like that? And is the to what degree is the Talmudic or, or some of these passages from the Talmud, Babylonian Talmud, that is polemical, like deliberately shaped to undermine the claims of the gospel. And Boyarin jumps right down into the weeds on that. Peter Schaefer jumps down into the weeds. They don't agree on a lot of things. But if you read their books, you, you know, it you you can kind of just get a sense of the territory of the arguments that they're making. But neither one's coming from a covenantal, canonical faith claim to be disciples of Yeshua. They're coming, they're both coming from a materialist, academic, historian kind of kick the tires around the things and and talk critically about stuff. Uh, which is fine. You know, we need historian. It, it's not, it, it, it's fine, but don't look at, just don't read those guys as, as if they're going to edify your walk with God, you know, or that they're going to bring clarity um, to, to the scriptures. I just, I think if you just adjust your, your expectations, you calibrate your expectations according to who's doing the writing and what their, what their, what their song and dance is. You Wasn't know, it? Because they're, they're so, not all doing the same song and dance, but they're all selling this idea of a Jewish Jesus. The one last point on Boyarin, he does, he does make the argument that Jesus ate kosher. I think that's one of the chapters in his book, and he makes an argument about the Mark seven passage that says this: Jesus was making a legitimate uh, argument um, from the Torah, and he never ever advocated the abolishing of the food laws. So, but I mean, but we've been saying that for, we didn't need Daniel Boren to write a book about that. Like we've, it's like, oh, duh. But there's people who, oh, oh, I can't hear him. We have an Orthodox Jewish scholar now saying this, it must be true. It's like, no, you know, he's, he's kind of late in the game and we should, you know, be great I'm if actually, you came to faith what, in Yeshua, which is still possible. What was possible. the, what was the, was it Boyarn who did the, the, um, great paper on like the, uh, precursor or like the elements of the Passover or was that somebody else? It was a Jewish scholar who basically said, Oh no, that, oh, there's you, um, Yuval, I'm uh, sorry. Okay. Israel so I'm, Yuval. I'm, Right. So I'm trying to, in my own head, I'm trying to uh, put Boyarn in the in the right category. Boyarn did work on Metatron, and he's done a lot of work on he Metatron. Did. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's talking about <clears throat> Metatron. And so so is Peter Schaefer. Israel Yuval is unique among those guys. He's He was professor, he might still be, professor of medieval Jewish history at the Hebrew University. Yeah. Yeah. So he's writing books in Hebrew, and then they're being translated into English most of the time. Boy, he's a problem um, but, for for mainstream Christianity too, or for mainstream Judaism. 
He is really a problem for but and he, Christianity but, for that. Yeah, matter. well, and Israel Yuval also. I mean, he's a Jewish scholar, but he's like, look, the Talmud. He's pushes so far to say that the Tal, the rabbinic, the emergence of the rabbinic idea of Torah Sheba Al oral Torah, is itself a a an effort to ground rabbinic tradition in something that is fortified against the gospel. Like a, a, right. a, that it's again, it's it's a kind of um, we need to prove that we have a more ancient tradition because these guys are going to wipe us off if, if we don't. They're, they're going to our halakha has nothing to stand on. Right. It's going to continue to be shaped. It, the Christians will continue to call a, call it works of man or, or a, a, you know, traditions of man rather than traditions of God, rather than word of God, um, unless we anchor it somehow back before the Torah or with the Torah. And so that is, oh, there was Moses actually received two Torahs at Mount Sinai. Like, imagine the Mormons coming to your, you know, and they've got their like, hey, you know, the another, what is it called? <laughs> another revelation of Jesus Christ or whatever. Yep. Or another, another test. We've I got don't remember some what golden called. plates. Dum, 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 dum. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but they have a book they want to give you. That's the, the rabbis are saying, hey, there's a, you, not a lot of people know this, but <laughs> Moses right. had a second Torah that was completely oral and it was passed down by generation faithfully to today. And guess what? I'm a rabbi and I represent that. <laughs> I'm part of that chain of tr tr tradition all the way to Moses. I mean, you'd have to go, oh, I believe. Okay. I believe that. And guess what? We're happy without Jesus. <laughs> right. You know, we found a happiness of being covenantal advocates that, have nothing to do with that guy you've heard of these other people talking about. Okay. And we're quite happy. Okay. Again, golly, I'm going to move on. And Sorry. I, I, I haven't I, even I, had I a lot of I, today. I appreciate it, but we're going to, we're going to move on. I think that that answers the question about who Boyarn is. And uh, yeah, he's done a lot of work on Metatron, which is, has been good for us because once again, we didn't need him to write a book on it, but he did. And uh, you know, he's, Proven our point. Anyway, um, okay. Joseph writes in. This is going to be uh, from the last show that we did. Uh, we respond or we we uh, read Joseph's comment about Timothy being circumcised, and this is a follow up from Joseph. He says, "At twenty eight, twenty two, Caleb, thanks for your response. If you would elaborate." on reconciling with other passages, please. If Timothy is considered a Gentile because of his Greek father, how is Paul not contradicting the Jerusalem council decision? Acts 15, 19 says, therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God or Paul's own practice, Galatians 2, 3. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Galatians 5, 11 through 12. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who, uh, who, those who unsettle you would uh, emasculate themselves. Okay. So I think that there is, uh, this is a, I'm going to go first and then I'm going to kick it over to uh, Rob. So um, I think that this is a... This is a matter of being able to actually get into somewhere. And what I mean by that is no one's going to listen to someone who's uncircumcised. And what I mean by uncircumcised is either physically or through a uh, conversion process. Now, we could go through each one of these passages. I think that uh, there is a specific 
undertone here, especially the Acts 15 uh, passage, but others as well within this list that he's given us. But uh, we've talked a lot on this show, and I have a whole video on pronomian.com about the term circumcision and uh, the circumcision in the first century. And how this could also mean a uh, a ritual of conversion and not just the physical act of circumcision. And therefore, I think that what Paul does is he actually takes Timothy through the ritual of, of uh, conversion. And the reason why is because no one's going to listen to a Gentile who hasn't been through either a ritual of conversion and or... Um, or the physical act of, of uh, circumcision in the synagogue. If you bring a Gentile into the synagogue, what's going to happen? Well, they're not going to listen to him, especially if he's proclaiming that the Gentiles should be led into the synagogue or he's proclaiming Yeshua as the Messiah. And so Timothy, uh, so uh, Paul says, hey, look, we got to do, like, if we want to even have any clout whatsoever, you got to get circumcised. And I don't think, I don't think that Timothy was forced to do so. So, right, he brings up the uh, Galatians 2.3 passage where Titus wasn't forced to be circumcised. I don't think that Timothy was forced to be circumcised. I think that Timothy realized that if he wanted to be have any say whatsoever, to be able to even walk into a synagogue and start proclaiming Yeshua as the Messiah, he had to go through uh, this ritual of conversion. I, and, and I think that the main point of the Jerusalem Council is, in 15.19, uh, okay, Judaisms of the first century are telling Gentiles, if you want to be saved, you have to convert. If you want to be saved, you have to convert. And what the Jerusalem Council is saying is, no, 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 that's not, that's not right. You don't have to be, you don't have to go through any man-made ritual of conversion, conversion to be saved. Sit in the synagogue, learn the Torah. Here's four things that you have to know to be able to even sit in the synagogue. Okay, don't do these four things. Outside of that, just sit in the synagogue and listen to the Torah read every Shabbat, and you're going to learn the Torah, right? Well, Timothy didn't think that he was being saved by going through a ritual of conversion, right? He didn't believe that that, that was somehow af- like affecting his salvation in Christ. He knew that he was already saved. But in order to be able to get into the synagogues and talk to the Jews about Yeshua, he had to go through this ritual of conversion. I don't see anything wrong with that. And I don't see that as a contradiction to the passages of, of, uh, of the apostolic scriptures. Rob? Yeah, I, I view it like Paul was a, was a moyle. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, 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 um, I believe Timothy wanted to be circumcised, but he was uh, where he lived. There was a a kind of mark on him because his parents were of different ethnicities, and he wasn't going to circumcise himself. And he kind of was like he didn't know what to do, but I think he wanted to be circumcised. Not not even even though yes, it's true that him being circumcised you're right on is, is like to receive some sort of official recognition by the community, which is good and desirable, but that wasn't his core motive. I think his core motive was like, I want to be part of the covenant and that's a mark of the covenant. And Paul came along and said, dude, we got you covered here, you know, circumcised him. It absolutely was not against Timothy's will. It's what he wanted, but he didn't have any male role model, Jewish role model to help him understand the Torah correctly with respect to the difficulties of his community, because it wasn't a believing community. I, I don't think, I think that 
that there were believers among, but the believers that are mentioned in the in Paul's letters are Timothy's mother and grandmother. And they're not going to circumcise their Timothy, right? They needed a male. You know, part of the circumcision is 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 the is the male club in a way, but it's God designed. It's not. It's like look, there's there's a differentiation between males and females. Um, you know, the forty days after being born. You know, the the son is with the mother. Eighty days, the daughter's with the mother. The circumcision separates the the children, the male boys from the female, or, or male infants from female infants, etc. And this is not, you know, people say, oh, this is anthropologically, you know, they're just it's just a cultural thing. No, God, God commanded this. Timothy right. felt he bore a kind of uncertainty and shame for many years of his life. We don't know if he was a teenager or in his 20s when he got circumcised. I think he wanted to be circumcised the whole time, didn't know how to go about it at the right time. Paul came along and, and took care of it. When it comes to Titus, it doesn't say Titus was uncircumcised. It says he was not forced to be circumcised. That's the, let's, that's let's, the core. Let's, let's make and something the very... consistent let, point hang is on just the, a sec. Wait, the covenant, wait, wait, the, wait, wait. Let's just be very clear here. Rob and I both would agree that the, that circumcision, the physical act of circumcision is still commanded today. It's not done away with. So if anyone thinks that we believe that, get that out of your head. Circumcision is still absolutely a, a command of God. Go, Rob. Um, yeah, the, uh, yeah. It, and I think Timothy wanted, I think Titus, it says he was Greek. He was not forced. What this means is, doesn't mean he's, it never tells us Titus was uncircumcised. It says he was not forced. What this means is Titus, that the, the Jerusalem core, right? John, James, Peter, maybe not John, but for sure, John and James, or, or uh, Peter and James and John, I, I think is mentioned actually in, in Galatians. Um, <laughs> and Paul's there and, and that they did not make it an issue of whether to include Titus or not. They they didn't they they didn't say drop your drawers, dude. We don't know if you're legit, right? And that's new behavior. Yeshua instituted new Torah behavior that what that is calibration of of believers' hearts to the actual Torah of Moses, rather than people looking to peers and traditions of men to try to gauge whether or not they're acceptable. That's the whole thing. It's like they love to be called rabbi. Why? Because they're not interested in the actual Torah of Moses. They're interested in some sort of other communal tradition and, and belonging that is suspicious of outsiders and tries to manage the flock. But you know what? It's Yeshua's flock. He's the rabbi. And, and we have to trust God's work in the hearts, like it, like Paul writes in Romans two, the work of the Torah written on the heart of the, of the individual. Okay. And it, it, it's not a one size fits all template of development. So uh, a couple of things in the chat room here. Interesting. 
questions. AM writes, why does Paul say, if I were trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ? Galatians 1.10, doesn't that seem to contradict the typical Acts 16 interpretation? Uh, and then I said, do you mean Acts 15, thinking that she was talking about the Jerusalem Council, since we were referencing the Jerusalem Council? I think AM is a, is a woman. I could be wrong. Sorry if you're, if you're, anyway, not trying to misgender anyone here. Um, Tim is, uh, he, uh, she says, Tim is as circumcised, uh, Tim is circumcised in Acts 16. If it were to please the Jews who were there, it seems to contradict Galatians 1.10. In Galatians 1.10, he's talking about the gospel, right? He says, he's, he says, I'm not going to change the gospel to please men. Okay. Right. And he says, if anyone comes preaching a different gospel, than what I'm preaching, even if it's an angel, you know, an angel that appears. No, they're anathema. And the point is, is that Timothy is not trying to change the gospel. Right. In fact, what he's doing, what he's doing is he is, uh, he is doing something to be able to preach the gospel. And I don't think it, look, here's a question. Is it sinful for someone to go through a ritual of conversion? I don't think it's necessarily sinful to go through a ritual of conversion. I don't think that that's what they're saying. I think it's sinful if you think that the ritual of conversion is going to save you. Um, I got a friend who listens to this show, uh, a great brother in the Lord, and uh, he t his, his son was denied communion because he was not baptized. There's a whole story right behind this. Um, now, I don't think that necessarily uh, th there's a lot that could be said about about this particular story and how wrong it was of the church, but not the point. You know, if you're going to a church and they say, "Hey, look, you need to be we you haven't been baptized. You need to be baptized first. Um, if you're going to be, you know, if you're going to be part of this fellowship, okay. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think it's right. But if you're going to continue to go to that fellowship, you're going to have to do what? You're going to have to go get baptized, right? Is that is that wrong? Well, it might be wrong theologically for them to to require you to do that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you going through the ritual of baptism to do that is wrong. If you think that going underwater and coming back up is going to save you, that's wrong. And so I don't think that there's anything I don't think that there's anything morally wrong with Timothy going and getting circumcised or going or even going through a ritual of conversion. Circumcision is yeah, commanded I, by God. I don't no, I don't, I don't know. It's been a while since we, Caleb that you and I have talked about this. So I don't know if I would call this a ritual of conversion. I, I don't think of Acts 16 as a ritual of conversion. I think it's a shame. It's a statement of shame to the Jewish men of that community. They knew right. that Timothy's father was Greek and therefore they socially were ostracizing him to some degree. And the fact that he was that in no male, there was no male in that community that took a fatherly role to include Timothy as a covenant member to their shame. So when Paul comes and circumcises him and it says, because the man knew that the man of that community knew that his father was Greek, that's a statement about shame. That's to their shame. Look, if, and, and Hey, if they're, if, if we're just saying that what he did was just physically circumcise him, that's a command of God. Exactly. That's all. Acts, that's how Acts I read is it. Not it. Paul came and said, this commandment applies to them. Shame on you guys. Right. For this is not the Torah. The way that those Jewish men in Timothy's community treated him because of the, the gossip or rumors of talking about, ooh, his father's a Greek. Ooh, this was whisper, whisper. That's a shame on them. 
Right. And Paul came in and said, it's absolutely appropriate to I circumcise this young man and shame on you for not doing it sooner. And I, and I got it. And he affirmed and edified Timothy's identity as a covenant member against those men. It was an act that, that simultaneously resolved Timothy's personal difficulty socially and with respect to the covenant and wondering whether he, you know, his whole, what do I do? My dad's not here and he's a Gentile. And it resolved that. And it also was a statement of clarity of, of, the covenantal Torah command to those grown men who should know better. That's, th- that's my view. I think that no matter which, which way a person wants to read this, whether or not Timothy goes through just the physical act of circumcision, in other words, Paul is a moil, he goes out and he circumcises him. If that's the case, guess what? Nothing against scripture has been, that's a command of scripture. And therefore Paul is doing what, what scripture tells him to do. That's number one. If he goes through a ritual of conversion to be accepted in the synagogue, I still don't find that to be a, a, a contradiction to anything that's in the scriptures. Now, if Timothy would have thought, hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I, I get some status with God from this. In other words, my, my, I'm, I'm more like, I'm more righteous now. God, God loves me more now because I, I snip the tip. Guess what? Not okay. Now, now we would have problems. Now we see that, uh, that what the scriptures is speaking against. That's my view. Um, okay. I think, I think that wraps it up. Um, let's go to love is bigger. Is this Rob's section ad Karah, the tetragrammaton in early Tiberian Masoretic uh, imagination. And then she says, and does he only get 30 minutes? Yeah, he'll yeah, be able sadly. to get. He'll be he'll be able to get it's through 20, the beginning every, of his. Every presentation's able, like twenty plus. Hey, Q&A. hey, shh, 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 hang on. I'm not done with my intro here. I'm not done bagging on you for going long. Uh, he'll be able to get through half of his uh, half of his int- introduction, and then uh, and then then they'll cut him. <laughs> you know me. You know me way too well. Uh, oh, but that's you, you know funny. what? The funny thing is, is that Rob does pretty well when he has Pray time for and me. restraints. Pray for he'll me. do good. He'll do. He'll do good. He'll do good. It'll be great. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, Tyson. So what do you, this is a question that keeps, keeps getting asked. And uh, I'm going to give you the same answer that we gave to the person two weeks ago, but we'll read his question anyway. Tyson says, so what do you do when you are in a Sunday church, come to the realization that the Torah is relevant for today? I live right outside of Portland, Oregon, and there are no Torah observant Christian churches in my area. The closest one is about an hour drive and it has maybe 20 members. Okay. You got a couple of options here. Number one, drive the hour. If you can't do it every week, drive the hour every other week. Uh, it, it can be a burden. I understand. And Tyson's problem is not. It's not just. It's not just that there are no. You know, oftentimes you might have a Torah observant place that's an hour away or even fifteen minutes away, but they believe in all sorts of weird nonsense. Right? They're they're constantly teaching just weird, you know, weird stuff that is not edifying to the body. And and this is one of the things that we've, Rob and I have been extremely critical of the Hebrew Roots movement for, is all the nonsense theology that, that just gets in the way of, of true fellowship. Anyway, with that said, what do you do? Well, the, the truth is, is that I don't think we have a good answer. You have a couple options, but I don't think that there's a good answer. And the reason why I say that is because the Torah movement at large that we have today, the Torah movement as we know it today, 
is about 100 years old, but it really took off in the 80s, 80s, the 90s. And it's very splintered right now because it's in its infancy stage, right? You have people who are still in the church, just like Tyson, who are um, who are coming to a realization. And this is this is like a wildfire. It's just sparking everywhere, right? You get people in the church who are who want to start keeping the Sabbath or want to start, you know, celebrating the festivals or keeping a, a, a kosher diet or whatever it may be. Okay. So so this is spreading like wildfire. But since the movement itself is, and when I say movement, I mean all of Torah observance, whether it's uh, Messianic Judaism, whether it's Hebrew roots, whether it's Proto-Amine Christianity, full Torah Christianity, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Um, the uh, It's so much in its infancy stage that a lot of people don't know what to do. And the truth is that there aren't established um, congregations that have faith statements, uh, you know, that there aren't enough of them that have faith statements where you can go on, you can see what they believe and say, yeah, 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 this is, this is biblically centered. And because of that, you have to kind of, you have to kind of navigate. My family's in this uh, same exact situation right now for a number of different reasons. And uh, Rob has been in this situation. It feels we, to me like if the Lord should tarry a hundred years, that this is a kind of reformation, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think historians are going to go, wow, all of a sudden they're going to be able to at least like you, you point out like the eighties and nineties and like these pings and like with the rise of the internet, it's like all these, you know, the messianic, Judaism, Hebrew roots and all this, and kind of like this big sorting and shaking and, and sifting that's going on. Yep. And you, you just use the word infancy stage. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, so, I mean, we've tried to be clear. We're in our 10th year. We're going to be in our 11th year, Lord willing, pretty soon of, of Messiah Matters. Torah Resource has much deeper roots than just 10 years. Right. Um, but the core, the core claim has been consistent throughout. You know, in terms of the centrality of Yeshua for salvation, justification by faith, you know, good reformed theological uh, orientation, but affirming, you know, that a one Torah hermeneutic. And that's that that's the un- the reason that hasn't changed in 25 years is because it's unshakable because we're right around. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's the reality of of the covenant of Abraham. We're we're affirming the canon of Scripture. We have we're not ignorant of the languages of the Bible. We're not ignorant of the the languages and literature of the rabbis and of church history. We're not ignorant of any of those things. We're not inventing. We're not sending people down Indiana Jones crusades for word pictures or lost tribes of Israel or how to say the sacred name or all these kinds of adventures that people get enamored with because they've got itchy ears. Right. Oh man, I got. Let's remember that one. Indiana Jones adventure. Okay, I got to write that down. Anyway, somebody send that to me. Somebody send that to me. Um, okay, Indiana Jones adventure. That's a good one. Okay. But because uh, of that, back to the point is like, oh, so I would say just be patient with yourself. Don't be anxious. Well, let's right? okay. Just, don't be I, if, I agree. If like, wow, I don't have a local community. You know, it's like, okay, I, it's good that you're asking and reaching out, but be I, patient. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. However, let's give some some options here for our for our brother in the Lord. Okay. 
Hang on. I'm actually writing this down. Indiana Jones adventure. I'm writing it down for a specific reason too. Indiana Jones. Okay. Um, so dun, 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 dun. we need that trumpet riff. No, because YouTube will block it and uh, we'll get demonetized. Anyway, okay, here we go. Here's, here's your options, Tyson. Um, stay in the church that you're at and attempt to uh, be a light when asked. Um, live out the Torah as, as uh, you believe God has, is calling you to do. You're going to be persecuted at, at some crossroads. You might get kicked out of the church. Uh, you might have to sit down with the elders and have them ask questions. You might have uh, people in the congregation ostracize you. Uh, I think uh, we've been through most of the people in the chat room, including myself. We've all been through these uh, these scenarios. That's one option. It's it, it's probably yeah. There's the, no commandment to not go to a church on a Sunday. That's that's it's not a commandment to avoid church on Sunday. It's difficult though, it, admittedly. And agreed, I, we, did, we did this recently for a year, just over a year. It's really hard, and we and I know the struggle. It's uh, it's not it's not easy. So that's that's one option uh, is to find a, is to stay in your church or find a church that you can go to. Uh, the problem is one of the biggest problems that we found is we take all of Shabbat off, right? We don't we don't spend money on Shabbat. We do, you know we have a family day, and then you wake up on on Sunday. I don't know if uh, you know if Tyson has kids or not, but I wake up on Sunday. You get the kids together. By the time you get to church, it's, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. You have church for an hour, hour and a half. You get done. You come home. You get into your normal clothes. You eat some lunch. By the time you're done, <coughs> it's 2 o'clock. And now you have half of a day to get everything done that you normally would get done over the weekend. So I, I get it. Okay, so second option. Second option is to drive, to find that, you know, that, that congregation an hour away, see if they are... Um, theologically strong or not, and uh, attempt to uh, attempt to get together with them and and uh, drive every once in a while. If you if you can't go every week, go every other week, whatever. And then the third option is start a Bible study at your house. You know, uh, find another person or two, or a family or two families or whatever who are on the same page with you. I know that there are uh, people and groups in Portland, Oregon, that uh, agree with us. They come up and visit us from time to time because we're we're about three hours, three three and a half hours north of Portland. Um, so we have people come up from Portland from time to time. I know some uh, very strong Torah observant believers in Beaverton and uh, uh, right outside of Beaverton in North Plains. Um, so on and so forth. So there, there are people around uh, the Portland area that are Torah observant. And uh, so try to find some. But the most important, the most important out of all of the options, and I'm sure that, that Tyson's already doing this, but I would say the most important is prayer. Um, start praying that the Lord will bring people into your life that are, agree with you and that can sharpen you and can raise you up in uh, the truth and uh, and that you can fellowship with, whether it's a church body, whether it's a Messianic group, a Hebrew Roots group, or whether it's just a couple of families in your area that you can get together with every Shabbat or every other Shabbat, sit down, open the word, pray, sing some hymns, sing some psalms, whatever. And uh, those are the options. Those are the three options that you have right now. And uh, there, you got a lot of people who are in a holding pattern, right? Um, my family is doing the third option right now. We have uh, we have people who come into our house right now. We're on an every other week just because we got young kids. It's hard to get you know it's hard to get everything ready every single week. So we're on an every other week schedule. But we're hoping to to up that as well. 
Um, but the Lord has to, you know, we're waiting on the Lord for a couple of things to come through to, uh, to be able to make it in every, every week kind of a thing. So on the off weeks, we, uh, we still hold our, our gathering just with our family. We sit down at the table, we read the portion, we discuss the portion, we sing some hymns and uh, we do that as a family. And it's not the, honestly, it's not the, the best situation for us. It's not, it's not what I would want for my kids and for me right now, but uh, it's where the Lord has us. And so we're, we're praying fervently and hoping that the Lord will, will change that as well. There's a lot, I mean, just look in the, Tyson, look in the chat room at the, at the, uh, at the comments. You, you know, you got a lot of people who are in the exact same boat as you. And, uh, and so um, we, we feel your pain. All right, let's move on. Uh, we got Tyson. We already did. Okay. Let's talk about Scott's question. So Scott wrote in a, a quite a lengthy, uh, email. We're not going to get to his entire email. In fact, I think he wrote four questions for us. We're only going to go through one of those questions. He starts by, uh, by talking about the idea of oral Torah and uh, the idea of, you know, how far back did it actually go? Rabbinic tradition was in the first century, right? And so ultimately, there's this idea of the, it's not in heaven, but it's in your mouth and you know, these kind of things. And um, then he goes into kind of first century understanding of, of, of law and those kind of things. So coming into his, his actual question, he says, building on what I've said before, I would love to hear how you would address defining law. There are various phrases used in scripture, the law, law of Moses, law of the Lord, royal law, perfect law, law of liberty, uh, your, their law in John, etc. It seems to me there is a sharp distinction between man-made laws and that which God gave us, that which he guides us in following. That is for the sanctification of believers. And it's appropriate to distinguish between the two. I agree with you that it is appropriate to distinguish between the two. First of all, when he says the royal law, and I've been in James a lot um, recently, when he says royal law, he's talking about a, 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 the specific two commandments that Yeshua gives, right? Because he, he quotes it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, or he's, he's talking about that, right? So the royal law is that which Yeshua says, love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Why is that the royal law? Because it's like the sovereign law, it's the laws that govern all other laws, right? And so this is, uh, so this is pointing once it's, again it's a diff- to- It's actually synonymous with the law of Christ. Exactly. The, Christos is king. It's and royal. He is the king of Israel, right? And so it's the law of the king. It's the right. kingly law, and and so Paul calls it one thing, James calls it, but they're talking about exactly that, Caleb. That all that the the and, and Yeshua is the only one, and he's the only. If you just say, oh, he's one of a thousand, hundred thousand rabbis, he's historically the first Jewish male, you know, rabbi to teach that the Torah as a whole, the tradition of the law and the prophets can only be understood properly when they are seen as contingencies upon the foundation. And the foundation is the Shema and the love your neighbor. And that there's no other, there's no other way to approach the Torah. Nothing about an oral law given to Moses that you need to have to understand 
Nothing about the seven laws of Noah versus the 613. None of that. All that's later mythology used as smoke screens to try to deflect people from the Torah of Yeshua, from the Torah of the, well, the kingly Torah. Not only that, Rob, but Rob has presented um, his his views on on other terms, which most people do not understand as oral law. Right. So, so for instance, works of the law is found throughout the scriptures. Works of the law is a, it's, it's a, it's a category of, of oral law. You know, when you're reading along and you, you read works of the law, people, especially in our modern time, automatically think, oh, he's talking about the Torah. He, Even but- N.T. Wright, this is the, <laughs> this is the thing. The N.T. Wright <clears throat> has got such a great insight in so many little pockets of scripture Right. But there's some serious blind spots, and that's one of them. He follows along this idea that the works of law means Sabbath. It, it means right. like all these core commandments from the Torah, the Sabbath, the food, circumcision, feasts. Less people think, and I know that we have some new listeners, lest people think that we are just making this up. The, the uh, Rob's done good work on this. We've had, uh, actually, I think, didn't I interview, I think I interviewed, uh, what's his name, Abeg, um, on this. Abeg, uh, Dr. Abeg did uh, phenomenal work showing that at the, um, and you can read this right in the Dead Sea Scrolls. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, they talk about works of the law. Right. And they oh, yeah. have, all he's these, got a great article. Yeah. On that. Yeah. He has all these, they, they give all these stipulations. Not one of them, not one of their works of the law is found in scripture. Not one of them. Not one of them is a command it's of special, scripture. right. It's special interpretation. For example, how many, how, how many steps can you take on the Sabbath before you violate it? Is it wrong to help your donkey that falls into a hole or whatever? Can you help it out on the Sabbath? Right. You know, stuff like that, that, that is like, and then that, that was divisive. Right. If I pour, if you have a, a, you know, a lizard died in your, in your water pitcher and you go to pour fresh water in it, does the impurity travel upstream? And now your now your upper vessel is impure. That's, it sounds silly. These are actual disputed legal uh, topics from Qumran that we know were in the first century BC and the first century AD were situations like, well, I'm not going to eat at Caleb's house. Do you see how they, they pour, how they pour their water? Yeah, exactly. Like, or, it's like, did you see, they, do you see how they wash their hands? Yeah. Well, I'm not yeah. eating over there. He can eat at Work, my house. Right. So I'm not right. eating over there. That's the kind of stuff. And Yeshua's like, not, not a chance. Yeah. So anyway, um, I, I think that it is important to distinguish. However, I think that predominantly, when, first of all, let's just out of the way. When they talk a lot about law or law of Moses, I think that the focus is Deuteronomy. They're talking about the book of Deuteronomy. However, it encompasses all five books of Moses. So when they say works of the law, it, it, that can include anything in, in Leviticus, right? It can, or not works of the law. I'm sorry. When they t- talk about the law and the law of Moses, is that what I said? Anyway, when, when they talk about the law and the law of Moses, what they're talking about is they're talking about all of all of the first five books, anything found in there can be can be uh, go under that category. Um, and like I said, anytime a, you look, go ahead. The, uh, just to plug one of, I think it's on our on on our videos. It might be on the Rob on the Rock, but it might be on Tor Resource. We did a conference last November in Colorado Springs, and 
it's on the internet, but it's it's dealing with the word nomos law in the Gospel of John specifically, because there's times where Yeshua talks about the nomos and then he cites the Psalms. Right. And so then that opens that's pertinent, I guess, to this question, because it's like, okay, well, the greatest, you know, the Psalms open up that this is a meditation on the Torah, like the idea of of right. praising God, crying out yeah, to him. Great point. Psalm 119 yeah. is this huge affirmation of, of the Torah. And so the Psalms are seen as a continual um, expression of God's glory and the revelation of his Torah. And so Can I don't I think it's a problem at all quick? when Yeshua says, <laughs> when he quotes the Psalms, but then he calls it, refers to it as the Torah. That's not, even though it's not quote Pentateuch, but yeah, it's revelation. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to plug myself here. Um, I, I created a prayer book for uh, anyone who wants to only pray scripture, no man-made prayers. Now it's in a category, right? It, it's a niche that uh, some people will love it. Some people hate it. I use it exclusively. However, um, we do add, my family adds some, some of the traditional Shabbat prayers from time to time and stuff like that. Anyway, not the point I'm revising it. Uh, there were some mistakes in it. And as I was, uh, correcting those mistakes, I actually decided that I was going to put in an afternoon prayer and a preparing for Shabbat prayer. And what I've done is along with some other prayers, by the way, but what I've done is I've taken Psalm 119 and I've cut it into three sections and it is nice. now supplemental for those sections. So um, it'll probably be uh, revised within the next two months or so. And uh, if you want to, you can check it out, pronomian.com. Okay. I think that's going to do it for us. I know that uh, this we're cutting it a little bit short. We, sh- we started late because we were having audio problems. Um, luckily, they haven't, praise the Lord, they haven't uh, manifested in this broadcast that I'm aware of. However, our outro music might drop. I don't know what's going on with that, but that's okay. Um, if our outro music drops, I apologize. You're just going to have to bear with us on that. At least we had video the whole time, right? Hey, uh, so the the links that Rob mentioned are in the chat, and uh, you can check out the chat. Hopefully, this chat will stick around. I think I... I uh, made it that way anyway. Um, and yeah, we'll have yeah, one and, more show. And praise God. It seems like our local internet provider fixed all the errors. So that's why, for those who didn't know, the reason we bumped, it was supposed to be done. So we had intermittent internet all week because of local repairs. Thankfully, I think we're solid now moving forward. Yeah. And, and, and now you get another show in four days, right? We'll be back on Wednesday with a normal, normal show. But then you have a week off. Sorry, guys. So anyway, all right. Last but not least, chegatorresource.com, chegatorresource.com, or Caleb at messiahmatters.com. There you go. Caleb at messiahmatters.com. 253-465-3205, 253-465-3205. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, you know why. Because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.